Bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes y presidente de mejor cerveza. No abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill not with us today? Kowalski, a.k.a. Bobby Ball, not with us today. But as we enter 2024 with our first show, we properly salute not only our boys, but each and every one of you properly. Yes, 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 yes. Whoo. Remember this, folks, nothing has changed when we are juiceful. We are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. Very pleasant. Good morning to you on the second day of January 2024. Like I mentioned, this is our first show of the new year. But guess what? Same title sponsor, Bet Online. That's right. The only people that don't get time off this time of the year are pro athletes apparently me and the people over at bet online with the nfl bull season nba full swing over the holidays bet online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up to the second odds news and info bet online has sports wagering information available everything you need from desktop to mobile access Head there today to get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAVE, capital B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Also, don't forget about our partners over at KT Tape. Get yourself some of the Pro Oxygen Tape, hitting the QR code in the upper right-hand corner. I'm not a doctor, not a scientist, nor did I stay at Holiday Inn Express last night, but I can tell each and every one of you guys that this shit works. When you apply the tape, it lifts the skin, promotes blood flow to the area, decreases inflammation, and typically will alleviate pain association. We speak English here. On the Daily Hustle, ladies and gentlemen, associated with it. KT Tape, deflaming muscles since its creation. Lastly, to focus for the show, I got myself this verge shot of greatness, a little lemon, a little ginger, a little cannabis. Make up the shot of pure fucking life. Go to tryverge.com, ask for our guy, Jory. Over there, he's a real trip, man, but he'll take care of each and every one of your needs. Salute to our people at Verge and each and every one of you for 2024. Mm. So soothing on that weather. Really, really is. Okay, let's get to the first email of... 2024 for the Daily Hustle. This is a good one. The title of it, News, not News, New Day Resolution. New Day's Resolution. Buenos dias and happy Tuesday, January 7th, 2024. Daily Hustle quote of the day. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. 
Laozu. If you have followed the Daily Hustle over the years, you know my thoughts on New Year's resolutions. They suck. All too often, we set lofty goals to be perfect, sober, exercising, eternal optimists, making millions of dollars a minute, living our very best lives in our very best year. This sounds great, but along the way, the reality of life sets in, and typically within three weeks, there is regression to the imperfect alcohol-chugging, non-exercising, broke-ass, pessimist, bemoaning life with one thought on the mind. Ah, fuck. What now? Well, no worries. 2024 is the year we break that vicious cycle by pulling our heads out of our ass. And instead of setting New Year's resolutions, we will be setting New Day's resolutions. By doing this, we'll be able to take immediate action on whatever it is we want to accomplish. For instance, if you want to write a book in 2024, resolve to write one page a day. Sure, there are days you may knock out 25 pages, but when we make a commitment to just do something, the start will never stop us. Then, when we happen to miss a day, we won't beat ourselves up over it. We simply will get back on the horse the next day without any sort of over-the-top self-condemnation or judgment. Look, if we have goals for the year, that's great. Write them down and tuck them away. And then each day, let's resolve to do something, big or small, that will help us work toward that goal. Bottom line is that life isn't lived in years. It's lived in days and very specific moments. Not shocking, those who live kick-ass, hard-charging lives just so happen to be the ones who resolve to live kick-ass, hard-charging days created by taking one single fucking step at a time eb so there you have it i mean if this is not the approach we all need i don't know what is because the thing about the new year's resolutions and this has been statistically proven over and over and over again it's a joke where it's like okay i'm gonna lose 20 pounds and let's just say you happen to be 200 pounds and you want to get to 180, right? Well, that first week, you sign up for the new gym membership. You go out there, you're hitting it, say five days. Great job. And then the next week comes and then you have a long weekend. You probably drink a little too much tequila and then work gets a little backed up and you're like, well, fuck, man, I don't have time to go on Monday. So you skip Monday. And then you're like, well, like, let me make it in on Tuesday. And then something else comes up and now you miss Tuesday. So now you're looking at it. You're like, holy shit, man. I'm a week into my New Year's resolution of losing these 20 pounds. I'm going to the gym five days a week. Yet in week two, I'm done. So what happens? This is a problem. We are extremely judgmental of ourselves. I want you guys to know and understand. It's important that we are 
our own judge. And it's important that we hold ourselves accountable. But in order to charge forward, we also know that we must have grace with ourselves. So if we happen to miss, no big deal. Just get back on the horse the next day and do everything in your power to create a routine. Our thoughts become actions. Our actions become habits. Our habits eventually lead us to who we are. And so if we have the concept and idea to create great habits in this new year, let's just make sure we're continuing to take one step, one step, one step, one step. And that's it. And guess what? It's not even about stepping backwards. If you don't do it, just understand where you are. And you pick back up right where you left. So it's been a long point of contention within the Daily Hustle community. And that's why I've always done the Daily Hustle Challenge, the DH 22 Day Challenge starting in February. And the reason being for that is that, look, January, we get bombarded with this new person that we're going to be. And then three weeks, that is literally the fucking national average. Three weeks is how long resolutions last. And then they're over. So don't give up. Even if you have pauses and what you're trying to do, continue to put one foot in front of the other. And that's it. And it could be anything from, like I mentioned in the Daily Hustle, writing a book to going to the gym, to losing the weight, whatever it is, to start a podcast. I mean, part of podcasting, I have people ask me all the time, like, hey, man, that is so cool what you guys are doing over at No Filter and how do I get involved? And I'm going to give you guys an example. Breland Almondova, who was with the Bananas and the Party Animals for a long time, probably the greatest showman that they had over there. And he's no longer with them, but he wanted to start a podcast. And he's like, well, how do I start a podcast? I go, bro, just start because it's a start that stops us. Just get going, do one and then schedule the next and then do the next over and over and over again. And don't give a shit about who's listening. I like, if anything, even when you get going, this is about you and this is about you figuring out what it is that you want to talk about, the direction you want to go with this. And overall, it's just, you just got to fucking do it. Do something. One of the OG challenges that we ever had, even before the Daily Hustle 22-day challenge, we had the do something challenge. And I, was, I think it was the very first year after I wrote the effort list. And it was just about running a mile a day. It's like, give me one. Give me one. And Trina Burns, no relation, B-U-R-N-S, the second largest shareholder within the Giants organization, her family is, Trina uh, is really inspired because she, she didn't work out a lot. And one of the things at one point, and I don't know if it was on the anniversary of her father's passing or something had happened, but it inspired her to run one mile, one mile every 
single day. And that's it. Just one. And there's certain days where I'm sure she ended up going over. But I know she did it. I, I, I'm almost positive it was for 365 days straight. That is the direction that we want to go. Okay. Chat is up and firing. Good morning, Michelle Drew. Happy New Year to you. John Emmanuel Ramos, Henderson and Makati City. Happy New Year, John Davis, Collierville, Tennessee. Amo out there in Chattanooga. We got Misty in Memphis. I love this. If you're listening live on No Filter Network, thank you for joining us here. If you're listening later in the day, we typically will film this live on No Filter sometime between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., obviously, in this case. Came on about 10.40 today. So there's no real consistent schedule. It kind of depends on uh, my life schedule. Tomorrow morning, we'll go earlier because we got the flight out to Dallas a little bit uh, later. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, though, thank you. And if you guys can leave a review, if you find some value out of this and uh, hit that five-star button, we would greatly appreciate it. Okay. Yesterday, there were two college football games that were just fucking electric. I don't think we could have asked for two better games when it comes to national championship semifinals. Now, of course, if you took the Michigan Wolverines or if you happen to take the Huskies, of Washington, it worked out a lot better for you than if you had the other side. So maybe that's why I enjoyed these games so much. But overall, I mean, my first thoughts as we bring Henry Market on here, the No Filter Network social media guru and much opinionated kid of uh, the Gen Zers mm-hmm. representation here, uh, Henry. Don't fuck with Harbaugh. That's kind of number one. That's the first take I got out of the Michigan-Alabama game. You just knew the whole who's got it better than us uh, was going to work out. They clearly, to me, looked like the better football team start to finish. And then the Washington Huskies. What a fucking performance by Michael Penix. He was sensational that all said the one thing that for whatever reason in my diluted mind overshadowed i don't want to say overshadow but i still went to bed thinking about it was i could not believe that washington almost fucked that game up mm-hmm. mm. your thoughts happy New yeah Year. Uh, happy New Year! Thank you for having me on, as always. It's, okay, uh, I got no audio, Hank. You got? You can't? You don't got me? Let's uh, try this again. Plug yep. out. Plug in. Got Let's me. See, it could be on my end. Hang tight. Yo, you there? Yeah. Okay, try it again. I'm maxing you out. Bring it back. 
See All right. All right. So that was the thing that I don't know why it bothered me so much. Maybe it's because I had Washington, but then it was brought to my attention, even if Texas had come back and won because I was getting four points for the game. I'm very selfish. I, and I, I apologize for sounding so selfish when it comes to these sort of things that pertain to gambling and money and, and everything else. But as I looked at it, and they had we were about 12 minutes ago in the fourth quarter. And they throw like five consecutive incomplete passes. And it was just like, wait, hold on a second. You have a 13-point lead, and you're firing the fucking football five times in a row and handing the ball uh, back to Texas. And they, you know, Texas proved they could score. Like, they were an inferior team. Henry, you there with the audio? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I – can you hear me? Oh, man. It's it's EB check the ch- nah. I mean we could do this lip reading thing yeah, over think- and over and over. See, it's got to be hearing you because when you do talk, it actually shifts to your photo. Let me check in the chat. Say like Gene, can you hear him? Yeah, they Leslie hear. says she has both of you. Yeah, they can hear me. So it's if all they like- have both, yeah. then it should be on my end. Let me see here. Um, hold tight, hold tight, hold tight. No, no, I think I got a setting. Uh, I got it, I got it, I got it. Done. Can you hear me? You there? Yeah, you got me? I God, got you, bro. God damn. So what I was going to say was, by the way, because they can hear me, I was just going to type in the chat, just just sit down and shut up. Let me go on my tangent, because they got me. And I, I got a lot to say this morning. But um, glad we always fight through the tech. So... That was on me. I, I I actually I had the setting all I had the setting fucked up. I put it on Scarlet. So one thousand percent on me. I kind of figured it was. Yeah, nice. go ahead, man. What what did you think about yesterday? Oh my god, what a great day. What an awesome day for college football. Just I, I'm so happy. I'm so grateful that the committee set it up the way that they did. So we got these games. Like even the matchups themselves, like Michigan versus Bama, Texas, Washington. They fit in perfectly. The matchups were outstanding, and the television was immaculate. I, I, I'm so grateful that Florida State was nowhere in sight. I'm also grateful we got like you know Georgia was kicked out. Give us some new teams for you know give Washington as well as Texas and Bama. I, it's great. Um, I let's, let's talk Bama and Michigan first because you brought it up. Um, Michigan was clearly the better team. No, no doubt in my mind. This is in fact probably one of the most mediocre Alabama teams Saban has ever had. But even so, uh, Michigan almost did what Michigan has been doing the past six years and they almost fucked it up. Uh, they came this close. There was that punt where they had about 30 seconds left in regulation. I mean, just a disaster. They inched by. Just so close. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Let me jump in here for a second because yeah. the play that the kid made by holding on to the fucking football was incredible. I get it. He muffed the punt that he shouldn't have even been attempting to catch right. at about the six yard line. But the fact that he was able to secure it and then he got blasted. Right, it is as he got blasted 
he was able to hold on to the ball. If not, that's a safety two points ball game. Alabama advances. Ball game, absolutely. That 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 was oh so close. I took Alabama getting eight, and I teased that with the over. So I, I looked at that game as like I don't think Alabama is going to get outright killed, but Michigan could definitely cover the first spread the original spread I, I just i was too scared i was too scared to go on all in on bama but i also wasn't completely confident in michigan i i think i i think you know them winning in overtime you know was kind of it it, it was kind of what was always going to happen though michigan winning and covering i guess and that's what all the sharps thought right wasn't that the move the public everyone was on the public was on bama and the sharps took michigan yeah, I don't know how the late action, because it, it's funny, a lot of the movements of the lines won't happen until late. Sharps are even known for sending somebody into a casino and say to put 10 grand on something one way real mm-hmm. early on to try to move the line and have that sharp action sway there. And then at the last minute, come back with 100 grand to hit the fucking other side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and then, and then ideally they middle, right. And and somehow, some way pull both best that that's, it's actually an old trick of the trade that they do in college hoops. And that's where the professional gamblers would get busted. And there was a whole, you know, shit ton of issues going on with that in college hoops. I I mean, you know, recently actually, uh, because those lines are soft and they're not sharp. Now the thing about the Michigan, and Alabama game or that game last night between, you know, Washington and Texas is that we know too much. Every, there's, no, there's nothing we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so those lines are really fucking sharp. It's a good time to go with the teasers as late in the year. I, I'd love to look at the statistics of the teasers because, you know, when you bet on a teaser, you're just saying that, hey, look, the line's sharp. Like, they, it should be right about what these guys, you know, have said it at. So, yeah, it, it's um, it, it was it was it was interesting, but I, clearly, clearly, there was no. If you told me Alabama had won, or you told me Texas pulled off that miracle at the end, I still would have said one thousand percent. Michigan was a better football team. Period. Yeah, Washington was a better football team. Period. Nobody can debate that. So let's talk about the Washington Texas ending because I think there's one. I was losing my shit last night. There was this one play that literally changed the fate of the final minute in the Washington, Texas game. And it's when Washington is trying to run out the clock. Texas had already kicked the field goal at this point. I, I believe they're down. Was it five? They're down five points. And so they, they, they were, they, they needed something and they got the field goal. They, they had to get points. Right. Uh, excuse me. Maybe they're down. Set. I can't remember what it was, but ultimately Washington, First down, second down. Texas burns their final two timeouts, and now you got you know, you got third down, and they they hand it off, and Texas has no timeouts. The Washington running back gets hurt. He's been, which he'd, was, been, he'd, been, he'd been hurt too. He'd been hurt right. all game. He was dealing right. with cramps or whatever he was dealing with, but he was dealing with an injury all game. Okay, that play was so significant because had he just gotten up, even limped off to the sideline, that clock is running. And that's going to go all the way down to around 15 or 16 seconds. But the fact that he could not get up, they had to burn an injury timeout. And the clock stopped 
right around 45 seconds, right? Like just crazy shit. And, and excuse me, it was 50 seconds. It was a 50 seconds left. And that is a lot easier, worlds easier than 15 seconds to start the drive. 15 seconds, the game's over. You got to do some like Music City Miracle to get, just to get down the field. But as you saw, they marched all the way down and had four really good shots into the end zone at the end of the game. But ultimately it didn't matter because the better team won and the better quarterback was on uh was on uh, full display there. And uh I I I just can't talk about Michael Penix enough. I really can't okay. but, and, I'll, and I'll let you go off on Michael Penix here in a moment. But what transpired with about 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter with a 13 point lead and Washington calling five pass plays in a row that ended up going as incompletions was just fucking asinine. I could not believe what I was seeing. And I love their coach. I I really do. He's from Fresno State. He's a badass. I've shared some adult beverages uh, with him before. But (laughs) – I got to believe he was letting just by by the way they were showing it. And they kept like panning to the offensive coordinator of of Washington, right? And then they would go down and they show Caleb DeBoer, the head coach. And they're sitting there and you just kind of saw him silent. It was almost like he was looking at his face like, wow, did he just call another fucking pass play? This is where I got to believe the head coach has got to step in and say, look, call whatever you want. I'm all about delegation of power and someone who, you know, has really studied offense, those offense, but run the fucking football. You tell me what one you want to do, no big deal, but we're running the football. So if they had just run the football at that time, instead of there being 50 seconds left when the Washington running back gets hurt, they should have had that in their mind too. This guy's been cramping all game. He's limping around the fucking field. Put the ball in somebody else's hands because that was a real – a very real problem that they were having, knowing that that also could have happened with 50 seconds left, as it did, which then you would have taken it to 15 as opposed to 50. I mean, that was a game changer. Sarkeesian on the other end in Texas and their play call was fucking dog shit too. I mean, they're they're throwing these underneath passes with the risk of getting tackled in bounds or kind of trying to get on the sidelines. They just did some stupid ass shit. I, I wasn't... I was thoroughly unimpressed with Texas. Thoroughly unimpressed uh, overall. And I I never even, I don't want to say, look, a miracle could happen. It's not a miracle, but I, I just, I was never worried about it. And then also, before you go on on Michael Penix here, what a play by that cornerback at the yeah. end. Holy yes. shit, man. That's one of the best plays I've ever seen. At first, I didn't think the receiver was going to have any chance of seeing bounds, but upon further review, he could have caught that fucking ball and gotten one foot in. Well, that's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. If if the DB doesn't make that exact play, that's actually a perfect pass right in the midst. Um, and and yours is, I, I think yours is fucking phenomenal. I think he is a great quarterback. Uh, the, it's just Texas. They just were kind of, they weren't as gutsy as they probably could have been like earlier in the game. They like you know Washington from the first drive was showing you know they're putting their testicles all over texas like just the deep balls and just never relenting 
at all until I mean, you talked about, you know, like just hand, just run the goddamn ball. That's kind of never been Washington style. Washington has always kind of given the keys to Penix. Like we need a third down. We need, we need a third and one We they, against Oregon state. You know, they could just run out the clock. Penix was throwing, you know, with, with a lead. Like they've always been doing that because they probably see the same thing that I see. Penix is the best quarterback in that draft. 100%. I, I, and this this, Henry, he made fucking millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And look, I will not disagree with you. I think he is the best quarterback in college football. Fucking put that down in quotations, wherever you want. He is an absolute force, man. And it's every, like, this the ability to run, the ability to pass, the poise. The guy is fucking legit. 100%. And I, I, I'd hate for this to be just another episode of Overreaction Monday because it's not. I've been thinking about this for a long time. You know, it, everyone says it's really, really hard to win in the NFL. And, and I think that's been one of the biggest themes on these player podcasts when they talk about guys, when you win a game in the NFL, it's because it's, you're a good team, right? If you win multiple games, you're a really good team. And if you win the Super Bowl, you're the best team. That's sort of what these podcasts are coming out and basically showing us dipshit fans, how hard it is to win a game in the NFL. I also think it's hard to win in college too. It is. It's, it's hard to win a football game. Football games are very hard games to win. And Michael Penix has been doing this for a long time. My unpopular opinion, and I know that if I was on television, I'd have my title removed, unless, of course, in three years I'm proven right. I would take Michael Penix over Caleb Williams because, quite frankly, I've seen enough with Caleb Williams. The guy is an unbelievable talent, and he's and he's fucking like making these plays once a week that you're just like, how in the like, how, where does this, where does the, what kind of semen is possible to create this motherfucker? Like, I, I don't understand sometimes, but Michael Penix is a winner. Michael Penix from the, the second I saw him at Indiana, that's right. He was doing this, you know, this Washington team, he put him, obviously they were a decent team, I guess, but he, the fact that they're in the, the natty because of him is, is one thing, but Indiana football, we are not known for football in, in the state of Indiana, football is, is nothing. People drink when, when a touchdown is scored and they black out if, if they don't get shut out. But the fact is this dude took Indiana and had them as a top 10 team in the country. Indiana university had a Heisman candidate. This guy is a winner. And ever since he's been gone, we're back to just pure shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I, you know, Caleb Williams is, is fabulous. I obviously I I'm sure wherever he's going to go, he could, he could make some sweet plays. Uh, but I think if you want a winner and you know, if you want a guy that's just, just, just accurate as all hell and can throw just the best deep ball you've ever seen. And just going to just give you wins in the wind column. I, I think that's panics. He's so, so proven. And I've Caleb Williams is emotional and yeah, emotions are great, but he's a diva seems like everywhere Penix goes, program changes, the energy changes. He's for the team. He's, he's, he's the guy. Give me fucking Penix. I'm sorry. 
I said this last night, but probably one of the greatest things that could happen is that he finished second in the Heisman. Yeah. It, it's just right. There's the guy's always had the chip on his shoulder. So let's rewind here for a second because, like you mentioned, he he was at Indiana. Yeah. But you know who else was at Indiana? Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of the Huskies, was their offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach in 2019. Mm-hmm. So that's where he was able to see Penix for the first time and be like, well, holy shit, man, this kid's a real deal. Now, the other thing about DeBoer, we need to celebrate him for a second. Are you ready for this? His overall coaching record at University of Washington, 25 and 2. His overall coaching record in college football, 104 and 11. Wow. This is one of the best coaches, obviously, in all of college football. I mean, one of the best coaches we've ever seen. He was at Sioux Falls. He played at Sioux Falls, right? Mm-hmm. From 93 to 96. He then coached. It was a wide receivers coach in 97. He then went to Washington High School in South Dakota, coached there. Then he was back at Sioux Falls as the offensive coordinator until 05 when he became the head coach. And then from 05 to 09, he was just a fucking force there. He then goes to Southern Illinois where he becomes offensive coordinator, Eastern Michigan offensive coordinator. And then Fresno State, this is where I met him. He actually took over for Jeff Jeff Tedford. Well, a buddy of mine, Chad Matoya, moved into Tedford's house. I'm not kidding. You can't make this shit up. And then in the meantime, became friends with Kalen DeBoer, who was just in this Tedford little circle. And then Tedford took back over for Kalen DeBoer, basically because they didn't have anybody. And then he's been the head coach at Fresno State the past couple of years. Now, he did not get his house back. The Matoyans are still living in his house, but I shared a tequila with Kalen DeBoer one night in Fresno. And it was funny because, you know, here's this guy that he takes over at Washington. And if it's a Fresno State job, I got, hey, that's a pretty good job. Well, then he takes over at Washington. We're now talking about somebody that's going to command 10 million a year, bro. Like this shit is real. This is one of the most sought after coaches in college football and he's done a fucking fantastic job other than not running the football with 10 minutes to go and a 13 point lead but like you said hey that's your style it's what they do that's fine and, and i think you can go ahead and you know you're trusting Penix with that but i when they look when they were up six yes now you got to push and they did but when you're up 13 you got you and, and you're in the fourth quarter like that you just got you got to shorten the game man yeah. Shorten the game however you can. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is, like, just how disrespected this Washington team has been over the last three weeks. And even, yeah. even it's baffling the spread for the championship game is – are you ready for this? I mean, add this on to the list of chips on the shoulders of every Husky. Michigan is, is four-and-a-half-point favorites. Like, Washington hasn't lost a game all year. They haven't lost a game all year. They were seven and a half point underdogs against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, yeah. which was absurd. And I know that you and I were both so high on Oregon. Like it we're was like, Oregon. 
it was like it, it like and we and I think if you didn't go back in time in alternate universe, I think we're probably making the same bet. We were so high on the ducks. It was a revenge game. It was Bo Nix game. It was, but but here we are. Washington like was never out. It was like never gave the lead up once in that game. It was just all them. Then they're in five and four and a half point underdogs against Texas again. Haven't lost all year. Still getting disrespected and now going to the Natty. And Vegas still is like, yeah, just, 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 just continue to lay down for me, will you? And they're four and a half point dogs. Oh, I don't know how. I at this point, I have to take the points. I don't know how. I, I I'm not going to fade Washington one no. more week. Can't. No. I have to take the points. You have to take the points. I uh, you look. You could do whatever the fuck you want to do, but let me tell you this. I we 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 debated this last night as it looked like Washington was going to win this game, and my cousin John Gall, all-time hits leader in the Pac-12, Stanford University, uh, president now of USA Baseball, and we've been doing this shit since we were kids, where we would take the Sunday slate or Saturday slate of games, we'd run down the games, we'd guess the line of what it was going to be, mm-hmm. and. As soon as we felt like Washington was going to be in the national championship going up against Michigan, we both said Michigan minus six and a fuck, we love Washington. And pretty much that's where we're at, right? That's the four and a half to six point differential is is, is, is very, very minimal. More than a field, more than a field goal, less than a touchdown. Yeah, it's in that range. Yeah, but then we then we started saying we're like, well, because the nation's watching what we're watching, and we know what we know. Like in their right mind, they there's no way they could put this thing in six. Uh, you know, and I'm like, if I watching the two games from last night, what do I really think it should be? It should be a pickle. That's what it should be. But we both knew that it was not going to be. And so then we settle with it is going to be Michigan minus four. And, the, and that's where we were. I wake up this morning, I look at the line, it's Michigan minus four and a half. So right. I, I will not bet against the Huskies at this point. If we have not learned our fucking lesson. I learned my lesson against Oregon and then we loaded up on them. In last night's game, I'm not going to be fooled again. Well, I, I'm, I'm shocked that the rest of the country is still thinking, whoa, Michigan, this and that, dude. Washington's a real fucking deal, man. Yeah, I, they, well, yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to fade them. Not, not another week. I, I did. I, I took Texas last night. Just, I was like, ugh, I feel like. I feel like everybody in the universe loves Penix. And I, I took Penix, excuse me, I, I, but not because I didn't think he would perform. I, I figured that he would have like a 350-yard game, multiple touchdowns. Of course, he had over four. Go figure. Guy's a stud. But I took Texas because I was like, oh, what if, just what if Vegas is is just going to pay, you know, to pay their rent on time like they always do and be right when the public is all over Washington. I, I, I went public Bama with a teaser, and that worked out, but – tease texas to get two the teasers are money the teasers are money but but it didn't it didn't work out because of course washington is just that good real quick henry before i let you go here 
I got a pickleball game at 11.30. But yeah. big stakes. what did you think of the final call in the Michigan-Alabama game? Yeah, so I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of tape on that play and sort of like the way the defense was moving and you know how it should have looked versus what happened. Jalen Miller Milrow, the guy is a phenomenal runner and he's a tough dude. And I think had the snap gone off properly instead of being low and screwing up the cadence, that's could have changed a lot. But I also think if Milrow would have ran and I'm saying this I'm, I'm fucking I woke up in my in my bedroom in Venice I'm not running these plays I'm sure if he did it again 10 times over he'd probably crush execute it properly I've, I can't imagine what it's like running into a wall of Michigan defense look at me sitting here from my couch like calling how it should have been I think I think honestly I think the play call is fine if it was executed properly because if you look back at the way the defense was moving with the motion the linebacker shifted so now it becomes, uh, you know, you're going to play, you're going to sort of play that hole with the center and and the, and the left guard, and you're going to kind of just t- take on the middle. And I think there's supposed to be a cut left because it looks like there's a hole where the, the backer shifted. There's now a hole. And I think if he would have ran up, cut left, I think he honestly could have walked in the end zone. But the way that the play happened was, of course, it was a bad snap. And then it looked like Milro just ran right into the gut, which I don't think that was the move. I think it was like a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of um, creativity that could have came in when you're cutting left. But well, look, dude, the one thing that I've seen with Jalen Milrow this year is that he's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it, but he's also extremely raw. And with that rawness is say, here's the play, go execute the play. And you're out there executing it how you think it should be done without getting a feel for the actual situation, right? Right. And so, obviously, the whole middle of the field collapsed. It just came like this. He gets the low snap, grabs it, and panics. And runs right into a fucking wall of people he wasn't going to be able to bust through. So... Uh, you know, look, Saban's calling it a, it was a terrible call and basically just saying because it didn't work. And I don't know. You're right. Like, if he gets that and he has time and it's, there's almost a little pause to see how things are laying out and then go. I mean, that's – as a quarterback, you can't just get and go, right? you got to get – you got to find the hole, just, just like a running back. Same it's thing. Not, you got to have a hole. Bad snap screwed up everything because what was once a, a play to fall, you're falling steps. It's now, you're now in recovery. You're now just like in prevent. You're just trying to not screw it up even further. And so his entire thought process, even now the last millisecond has changed because you're not, because <laughs> you have to pick it up. Oh, fuck. Is there someone in front of me? Oh, I guess I have to go back to the play I'm supposed to run. You don't even have time to sort of assess what's happening in front of you anymore. So, uh, I, uh Everyone's hey. got a job. Okay. The final thing here yeah. I want to get to this morning. We'll be back on tomorrow morning, actually, before I head out to Dallas. But Giuseppe Pepe Manuelli sent us a tweet this morning. And mm-hmm. I have no idea. I really didn't. I, I thought no matter what happens next week, the Bills are in the playoffs. But apparently, according to Bill Barnwell, 
The Bills week 18 scenario is fascinating. If they win, they win the AFC East. If they lose and the Steelers playing a Ravens team with nothing to play for and the Jags playing for the division against a 5-11 and Titans team, if they both win, the Bills are out of the playoffs. What the fuck, man? Crazy, crazy. But this is kind of, uh, I mean, the script writers did it again, right? They, I mean, you got to have reasons to watch. You got to give people reasons to give a shit about this week. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be a playoffs in recent times without Josh Allen. I think, dude, I, I, he's going to pull it off. He's going to do it because he has to. It, this is very much he's not going to miss the playoffs this year. This is this is sort of the last window for that team to win a Super Bowl, right? He's gonna he's gonna win against the Dolphins. You and I we talked about it last week. And I'll be brief because there's only so many bad things I can say about the Dolphins before I see like a red dot side of my chest. It's one of Joe's guys going to pick me off. <laughs> I I'm I'm not sold on Tua. I haven't been all year. I've never been part of the Tyreek for MVP campaign because. Honestly, I don't. I, I think he as good as he is. I think that team has so many holes, and I think their defense is not as good as they think they are. I think Tua is a Tyreek Hill merchant and somewhat of an addict, if you will. And Josh Allen, when you need him to, I think he's going to come alive. I think this Bills team, if at home in the playoffs, is super dangerous. They're super hungry. There's no Joe Burrow this playoffs. Pat Mahomes is not the same. It's just him and Lamar if he wins. So then you have what? Uh, Bills versus Ravens potential AFC championship because I don't think – I think Lawrence is pure dog shit this year. Dude, I, I think the Bills know exactly what it is. If you don't win this week, you probably won't win a Super Bowl for the next whatever, whatever the next window is because this team may blow up. Stephon Diggs may freak out and take off. Gabe Davis could go somewhere else. They may shift some coaching around. Josh Allen could have it. I don't know. So this week is about the next couple weeks. Because if they go to the AFC Championship and they lose, it's it, it's a lot easier to get the band back together for next year. But if you miss the playoffs, whoo, that team is going to look very different next year. Agreed. Uh, Hank, I appreciate your input. Uh, as always, one more thing on this. Uh, Let me hear it. Let me hear it. The second happy New Year. <laughs> All right, we're going to finish here with little James Allen, as a man thinketh. Of course, we're a baseball life optimization podcast, first and foremost, even though we talk all football today. A man's mind may be likened to a garden which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild, but whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth if no useful seeds are put into it then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. Make sure we're planting good seeds, folks. Happy fucking New Year. It's good to be back. Everyone have a fantastic day, and we will see ya tomorrow. I'm going to play pickleball. 